Hello and welcome to How Many Geese. I'm Jack Baddams. And I'm Roddy Shaw. And if you're looking for a nature podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously... Then we are the natural selection on today's show. The entirety of the Americas is going to creak under the weight of hippos <laughs> once they've spread down to the tip of Argentina and up to Canada. Alaska. <laughs> yeah. You know these things of like lemmings pouring off a cliff? That's yeah. just it from the rafters. Just pheasants on pheasants on pheasants. Have you seen that meme about a black bear which ate $15 million worth of cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, no. If I say invasive species, yeah. what, what, what images might that conjure up in your mind? Uh, in my mind, it brings up things like mink. It brings yep. up things like uh, cane toads. Yep. Um, plants, like Japanese knotweed and things like that. Yep. They're, they're the kind of things that it brings up. So thinking about animals, mm. mink, yeah. cane toads, rabbit, yeah. rats, mm. cats. They're all quite small. Yeah. Right. Well, you've got to kind of, with rats and things, they get across accidentally and they're accidentally released. Smuggled. Or they escape or, you know, something like Hidden, that. Hidden, secretive, yeah. creeping. Skulking. Yeah. yeah. Stowaways. Yeah. Hippos. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically. Specifically. Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Colombia yeah. has an invasive hippo problem. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> if, for people listening, I am now face palming and just trying to get my head around this. He's, he's suddenly slumped over the desk, massaging his brow. These were Pablo Escobar's hippos. Yep. Why did he have hippos? I will tell you the story. Okay, I'm going to sit back. And of listen. Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos. Pablo Escobar, obviously, drug lord, kingpin, Colombia. Yeah. At one point, one of the richest men in the world. Mm. Forbes estimated him in the top 10 richest people on the that planet. Rich. That rich? Wow. Yeah, I didn't that, realize we were talking that level. Oh, big money. Yeah. Big yeah. money, right? Huge empire of coke. Died in 1993, but at the height of his... Well, maybe not the height, actually. It was apparently before he really went... Anyway, he set up his own zoo. Because that's what you do when you're a drug lord who lives in the rainforest. You have a private menagerie. I do that. Of your own animals. Yeah, yeah. Right? Now, looking at pictures of this, I did see things like an emu smoking a cigarette. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of zoo we've got going on. Right, okay. But he smuggled all of these animals into Colombia. Oh. He smuggled elephants and giraffes into Colombia. Let me say He smuggled... <laughs> <laughs> just in case you're not getting... He smuggled... Elephants and giraffe. How in God's name do you get an elephant or a giraffe, never mind and, <laughs> past some, any kind of inspector? To be fair, you probably just hid them under the mountains of cocaine. Well, maybe he, well I mean, uh, thinking about how cocaine gets smuggled with people across yeah. board, that's up the... That's a lot of... Is that why you had the big animals? Up the... Well, no, I was thinking, is that how we got the elephant in? Oh, One really Jesus. unlucky drug runner. <laughs> I thought he was really upscaling his operation and was like, yeah, human anatomy is just not built for this for the scale of my enterprise. <laughs> the, the scale of the operation I'm going, I need an <laughs> elephant arsehole. <laughs> to level up. So he smuggled these animals in and he had this private zoo out in his sort of palace, castle thing yeah. on the outskirts of Medellin, Colombia. Medellin, yes. Medellin. I've, yes, I have heard of that. Out there. He died in 1993. Mm -hmm. Was he shot? I think so. Yeah. I don't actually know. 
Probably. Yeah. I imagine that's how drug lords go out. Yeah. Blaze of glory. Yeah, I don't think you retire in your old age. <laughs> the <laughs> south of France. Yeah. All right. Um, and the, uh, the, the law, the government came in, found all the animals and relocated them all. But, I mean, what we know about hippos is that they are famously angry, yeah. terrifying, four-ton beasts. Forces of nature. Yeah, 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 right. So they were able to go in and move the elephants, move the giraffes, move the... They probably just shook some Marlborough and the emu followed along. <laughs> <laughs> Lay a trail of <laughs> whiskey bottles and fag packets on the ground and the emu just went along. But um, they relocated everything, but... They left the hippos be because they just didn't want to. They were like, fuck that. Mm. We'll leave them, right? So when he died in 1993, there were four hippos, right? Okay. He had one male and three females. Right. By 2007, Mm -hmm. the population was 16. Okay. By 2014, population was 40. Wow. By 2019... The population estimate is somewhere between 90 and 120. No way. And it is estimated that there are going to be in the thousands within the next few decades. So they uh, they are just free living in the waterways now, are they? Pretty much. So his compound had like a, a you know a, a body of water on it and they were there, but Colombia is basically hippo nirvana. Right. There is almost no other place as perfectly suited to hippos as Colombia. Yeah. They've just gone off with it. And to emphasize this fact, I mean, this is wild, right? But to give you an idea of how much of a hippo paradise, so first of all, the region never experiences drought, which normally puts a bit of a lid on hippo well, populations yeah, in Africa. I mean, in Africa, yeah, they have to like travel for ages and they get really angsty because they're all fighting each other over the last bits of water and they're trying to find the last bits of water. Exactly. So there's no uh, sort of natural environmental lid on their population there's no predators which can i mean i don't really know what could take an adult hippo but picking off babies in africa and all the rest but weirdly in africa hippos become sexually active at between seven and nine to males years old and around about 11 for females the colombian cocaine hippos are getting sexually active at three wow like half the age less than half like they are it is Hippo wow. paradise. There's nothing eating them. Jeez. There's no lid on how many of them there can be. And they're just shagging from the <laughs> get-go. <laughs> Which is pretty on brand. Well, you know. I imagine it must be because they're able to, like, get into such a good body condition because they don't have to go through a drought and, you know, it's so lush and they can, like, you know, maybe they become more sexually active just because they can grow faster. All the cocaine. All the, co- all the cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's this growing population of hippos. Yeah. And no one on the planet knows how to deal with invasive hippos. So I was going to say, are they causing any issues? I mean, I, yeah. can't, I can't imagine hippos <laughs> being released into an ecosystem and not causing issues. Yeah. But what, what are the negatives of the hippos being there? So there's ecological issues and there's human impact issues kind of thing, right? So on the ecological side, yes, of course, they're having a negative impact on the environment. Now, there are some fringe people who are like, oh, no, it's fine, blah, blah, blah. But basically, hippos eat all the plants. Hippos do a lot of poo. Poo means a whole load of nitrogen being dumped into the water sources. Nitrogen means a whole load of bacteria and algal blooms. Algal blooms happen. They soak up all the oxygen in the water, and then all the fish die. This is eutrophication. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So they're causing that cascade of events. Uh Uh-huh. You're getting algal blooms, which are soaking up the things. Um, Species which are being impacted by them. The manatees are being 
impacted, oh, no. otters, caimans. There's some species of turtle which are exclusive to the water, endemic to the water networks that the hippos are in, which are being, mm. I don't know, trampled, impacted, eutrophication. But they are just having knock-on effects, crashing mm. through everything, blah, blah, blah. Then there's the human side yeah. where... As we know, hippos are incredibly dangerous animals. Uh, the most dangerous animal in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, at night, they just get up and walk about, go through the villages, crash through fences. There's been some cows crushed by hippos. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. They just, like, I've never often thought what the mind frame and mentality of a hippo would be. No. But it's probably one of just, you wake up, you decide what you're going to do. And that's it. Yeah. There's no power on earth. You know, there's not a fence that stops you. There's no, if you're going in a direction as a hippo, you're going in that direction, you know. Yeah. So they're stomping around trash in the place. Oh. Now, however, on the flip side, there is now also a bit of a booming ecotourism situation because everyone wants to go and see Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos. Nailed it. And right. on the, I would want to go see Pablo Escobar. On the drive into his estate, and Colombia, and I'm not going to get into this, but Colombia has reading about it a very, um, uh, I don't want to say tortured, I think that's the wrong word, but a very complicated relationship with Pablo Escobar yeah. because there's all this stuff that he might have built schools at in the sticks, but then he went on an absolute yeah. you know, reign of terror and all the rest. So he's got his mansion there, which is all crumbling and falling apart, but the government don't really want to build it up because then it's you know very tricky kind of thing. But what there is is a giant statue of a pink hippo <laughs> <laughs> on, on the entrance to the thing now. Is there? Because the towns around, the sort of villages around where his estate is, and now picking up on like hippo money. Hippo tourism. Hippo tourism. People want to go see the cocaine hippos. Wow. So what you've now got is the most unpredictable animal yeah. argue, you know, like invading an ecosystem. There's no manual. Normally it's like, you know, if it's a cat or a rat or a, it's like, oh, put out some traps, mm. get them. You can't just put out hippo there are no there, there isn't a hippo trap there's no no at no point in all of human history did someone have to go i want to trap a hippo right it's just not that's true yeah. like yeah. there's we've got mouse traps rat traps yeah other traps traps <laughs> none of them are big enough to yeah to take a hippo. a hippo so no one knows what they're doing with them in 2009, and this is where it gets really spicy, in 2009 there was a male hippo called Pepe, went on a bit of a rampage, possibly because there's the alpha male hippo yeah. there, the right? Dom. Yeah, and he's called, I think he's called like the old man, it's in mm. Spanish, it's like uh, el, el hippo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's obviously got his territory, anyway, he pushed out a young male, the male went on a rampage, this young male was called Pepe, and the army had to be brought in to take down this hippo. Shit. Well, that's <laughs> another thing as well. It's like, you know, even if you're like, right, we can't trap these hippos, we're going to go out and shoot them. You have to, like, think carefully about what guns you're going to use because yeah. hippos... Yeah. You can't just take a hippo down with a... There is no <laughs> plan for hippos. There's no plan for hippos. <laughs> like, no one has ever sat down and worked out how are we going to do this, right? So the army got sent in to take out Pepe. Uh -huh. Shot Pepe. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, God rest his soul. And apparently sort of posed for a picture with him because job well done we killed the hippo yeah people of colombia really didn't like oh, this kind of thing not protested so the government passed a law which made it illegal to kill the hippos no. <laughs> so i was I, I was gonna say like okay they're cut they're an invasive species they are causing damage at the minute there's a lot of them but it's something you can find you can i imagine you could if you wanted to do a conscious eradication of them you could get rid of them yeah because they're big but 
that's not the plan. The plan is the plan is to to keep them. The plan is there's no plan. The plan is there's no plan. <laughs> the plan is until there's, there's thousands of hippos. Well, because normally, like you see, you, you, the kakapo. Yeah. Right. New Zealand. Very endangered parrot on New Zealand, lives on one island off it. New Zealand's got all manner of invasive animals, and they were attacking the kakapo, so they're like, oh, we need to handle this. So you go on the one little island, and you trap all of the rats, and there are all these people in the world who are like, this is how we deal with rats. This is how we get rid of cats. There's there's all this research going into managing invasive animals, but it pretty much all hinges on the fact that the invasive animal is no bigger than like a shoebox, right? All of this body of knowledge (laughs) is based on trapping small things. No one ever sat down and is like, how do we deal with hippos? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the government goes in and they're like, well, we'll shoot the hippo. Mm. But then the people love the hippos. Mm. So they protest. So the government's like, oh, shit. We got yeah. that wrong. Yeah. That really, that was a PR. <laughs> PR, <laughs> PR flop. Yeah. So then they passed a law saying you can't kill the hippos. So now the ecologists and all the people who are like, well, this is really bad. Yeah. Are like, so not only have we got invasive hippos. They're now protected. They're now protected. <laughs> And they are, you know, Colombia's part of mainland South America. So if we think about in the future, if these hippos aren't controlled, how long before they end up in the Amazon? I mean, that's just... Jeez. I hadn't even got there, to be honest. That hadn't crossed my mind. I think we're maybe saved by the Andes. Okay. Okay, that's good. Maybe. So things people are thinking about is castration. Right. Right? Yeah. No one's ever worked out how to castrate a hippo. <laughs> that thought just crossed my mind. Hang on. If we can't trap them, how, how are we going to castrate a fucking hippo? There, is, there has been one successful castration of a wild hippo. Right. Cost $50,000. And it is just very, very difficult yeah. to do. Yeah. There's basically, like, you can't just phone up a vet and be like, hi. Have, the when vet. You, when you finished with the cows this morning, can you just come and see yeah. the hippo? Well, the vet who's done it, they think, is the only vet on the planet to have castrated a wild hippo. Yeah. And also, there's two problems with this. One, almost ironically, for hippos born out of a drug empire, is apparently they're very sensitive to chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> so, sedating a hippo is apparently very tricky. Because, oh. I mean, probably because no one's ever had to design a sedation anyway you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they get the, the dosage wrong the hippo dies and of course the hippo is protected by law so like, fuck. everyone gets angry right that everyone gets two. angry point two is apparently hippo testicles are really hard to find because mm. they're internal oh and, yeah so they've got internal testicles so it's not just snip snip it's yeah. like unzip <laughs> search rezip yeah so no one knows how to castrate them they're protected by law yeah they're currently breeding at a rate faster than African hippos mm. there was an international campaign went out to see if any zoos wanted the hippos yep. zero takers <laughs> <laughs> it's not something that you're like oh yeah we could probably find space for it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like in one of the aviaries or something they can't kill them because they're protected castrating them is incredibly hard and expensive rounding them up and sending them to other zoos has had zero takers they are basically currently working on the basis of bribing them to stay in the one area. Apparently, if you want to bribe a hippo, it's a free meal of 350 kilos of sugarcane. Oh, okay. <laughs> which I did the maths on, is 35 to 42 and a half kilos of pure sugar. Wow. Which would also work out, if you were to sit down, Jack, and eat 350 kilos of sugarcane, it would be 1,166 days of your annual sugar, of your like, <laughs> daily sugar allowance. <laughs> what was that? Like three years? Three years of a human's 
daily sugar intake wow. in one hit. That's okay. how you bribe a hippo. And they've thought about trapping them and sending them back to Africa. Uh-huh. Loaded sentence. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they can't do that because there's a risk of introducing diseases right. that may have come oh. from the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they don't want to yeah. do that. Have they tried selling them to current drug lords? <laughs> <laughs> Just on like the drug dealers Facebook marketplace. Hippos. Used. <laughs> Used? <laughs> Free collection only. Yeah. House trained? No. <laughs> no. So the current possible solution, which seems to, well, is basically barbecuing them. What? Right. Because, and this next bit I love. Okay. When they were setting up electric fences no. to try and pen in the hippos, yeah. they got the voltage wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fucking fried a hippo by mistake. I mean, to me, right? That to me sounds like the the army and the government have gone right. They didn't like it when we shot one. So how can we kill them accidentally? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Just turn up the voltage on the like, dial it up exactly. Yeah, in a trial setting up the electric fences, they got the voltage wrong. Accidentally blitzed a hippo. The local people were like, well, that's a lot of meat. Came in, chopped it up, barbecued it. Apparently enjoyed it. Tasted not too dissimilar to pork. I can. I mean, yeah, if I was going to choose that. If animal, I was going to get it, yeah, 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 yeah right. It wouldn't be watery pork. Guinea fowl, would it? You know, <laughs> Watery pork. <laughs> watery pork. Just, I'd eat a cocaine hippo. I would go, right, I would go to Colombia, do the do the Pablo Escobar tour to see the cocaine hippos and then uh, finish with a, with a cocaine hippo meal, knowing that actually... I'm doing positive for the environment. I'd do that as well. I think it's a market. Yeah. But the, the local people absolutely love them. Whole industry being supported, jobs and all the rest. That's, that is such a tricky one, isn't it? And passed a law making it illegal to kill them. Some people have apparently argued, now this is frankly insane, but I'll include it. Some people have argued to leave them as they are, mm. as an example, albeit an accidental one, of Pleistocene rewilding. Right, so I know a little bit about this, I think. And is it where you introduce basically like proxy animals for what would have lived there in the past? Yeah, so just to really baseline it, Pleistocene is, of course, back in like Ice Age times and these huge, well, before Ice Age, isn't it? Uh, it includes the Ice Age, it but it is much, much bigger, yeah. When there was all of this megafauna stomping around, it sort of really shaped ecosystems. And in the Amazon, you had these giant sloths which dug out tunnels and everything like that. So some people are saying, leave the hippos be. It's an example of a huge, you know, ecosystem engineer, perhaps, and doing all of that. But, um, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> because while Pleistocene reintroduction maybe has a place I mean I don't know if to say whether or not it has a place I think the point is the hippos are causing so much untold chaos <laughs> that, and that trying <laughs> they were introduced by a drug there's been no ecological environmental yeah. sensibilities around this introduction yeah a literal drug kingpin smuggled yeah. them over from Africa let them loose in the yeah. Colombian countryside yeah and and now we're in the situation and now we're in the situation where and but also just to go back to the start it took 20-something years for them to get from a population of 4 to 16. Mm. Then it took 7 years to get from 16 to 40. Mm. Then 5 years 
to get from 40 to 120. Yeah. The hippopocalypse is coming. The hippopocalypse. So, yeah, if, you know, we don't all die in some kind of total global climate change ecosystem collapse. The entirety of the Americas is going to creak under the weight of hippos <laughs> once they've spread down to the tip of Argentina and up to Canada. Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Alaska hippos. Wallowing in the Great Lakes. Yeah. Okay, it's time for that part of the show where we take one of nature's magnificent creatures and we pit it against Roddy Shaw in a fight to the death. Now, today's species has been nominated by Will Dawson. Hello, Will. Who has suggested the pheasant. Will, I love you. <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, I could have chosen here the two-meter-long great Argus pheasant of Southeast Asia. I could have chosen the fearsome-sounding blood pheasant from the Himalayas. But I'm guessing what Will was really getting at is the bog-standard common pheasant. So that's what I've gone for. Hmm. So we're going for the common or ring-necked pheasant, which most listeners, I would say, are going to be pretty familiar with. It's native to Asia and parts of Eastern Europe, but is now spread widely through Europe, New Zealand, America, Australia, pretty much for the purposes of shooting. They're decent-sized birds, being up to sort of 90 centimetres long, although the tail can make up at least half of that. Uh, with a wingspan of about 30 centimetres and a weight of about a kilogram. In terms of weapons... There's not much, really. <laughs> They've got a pecky beak, <laughs> which they use to peck. Um, and the males have spurs on the back of their legs, very much like a uh, like a cockerel that they use for fighting each other. And the females have AK-47s. <laughs> so the question is, Roddy Shaw, how many pheasants are too many pheasants? It's a lot of pheasants before it's too many pheasants. Mm. This is an animal that us humans... <laughs> Plenty of experience of defeating, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, this is at the the fodder yeah. end of the animal kingdom. However, Will, it's lovely to have a break. <laughs> <laughs> There's no aggression in a pheasant. I don't know. I've seen male pheasants fighting each other, and it can get pretty nasty. Like I say, those spurs on the back of the, the feet are for sort of stabbing and slicing and whatever. It's like fighting a big chicken. I'm trying to work out some level of, of motivation here, mm -hmm. because... Well, I guess it's probably, you know, revenge for industrially mm. breeding yeah. and then... Industrially as well. Yeah. It's, it's like 55 million pheasants released every year in the UK just to be shot. <laughs> Sanctioned genocide, right? Okay. Right. The current human to pheasant standings are humans 55 million a year, pheasants nil, right? So if anything, this is... You're, you're the lightning rod for their entire, literally the lightning rod yeah. for their entire hatred of the human species. Okay. And I also think this maybe harks back, I mean, I imagine King Henry VIII, he strikes me as someone who would have eaten pheasant. Right. I think King Henry was too busy eating cranes. <laughs> and all the other wondrous creatures we had living okay. in the UK before he turned to pheasants. I don't know when pheasants... There's an argument about when pheasants were brought over and sort of properly released into Europe, but the recent sort of industrial levels of shooting of pheasants only really sort of picked up in the last century or so. I do feel I need to fight them somewhere grand, like mm, a castle. A stately home. Yes. A national trust property. Yes. Here we go. Blenheim Palace. <laughs> <laughs> Where the National Trust volunteers stood in the corner, sheltering behind their little <laughs> their notes. Yeah. <laughs> so are you inside? Are you inside the stately home or are you in the grounds? No, I'm inside. Because okay. the one thing pheasants do have on me is I've been on a walk out in the countryside and you're going along and then suddenly a pheasant rockets up. From your feet. From your feet. Yeah. 
because their whole game plan is sit really still until it's right on top and then yeah. shoot out, right? So I don't want to get that because I'll admit it, Jack, I'll put my hands up. I've been spooked by a pheasant <laughs> in the past. It's one of the most terrifying things in the British countryside. Now we've done away with the bears and the wolves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was pheasants, TB. <laughs> <laughs> Being startled by a um, yeah. like crouching pheasant. Yeah. Crouching pheasant. Hidden. Crouching pheasant, hidden grouse. <laughs> yeah. um, the, <laughs> the National Trust remake to the martial arts classic. No, I'm going to fight them inside a stately home. What I'm seeing is one of those like big banquet halls, uh -huh. big flagstones, like stags' heads on the wall. Oh. What I'm imagining is... Me on a big oaken table yeah. with like a sword I've taken that's <laughs> off in, the wall. Off the wall, exactly. So the walls are lined with swords and muskets Mace and, and maces and all the medieval weaponry okay. and you know, all of that, right the way up through all those other historical ages whose names I don't know because this is a nature show <laughs> <laughs> where it's muskets and all of those on the wall. Big roaring fire at each yeah. end. Yeah big oaken table and on that table is a banquet of pheasant game birds i'm giving i need to fire them up that's what i'm trying to get some of these it's like oh my god it already wants to kill me these pheasants i felt so i'm really rubbing this taunting them yeah exactly and then they they're coming in one through a window yeah. one through it's like the last stand in a zombie movie they're knocking at the door there's loads of them pecking at these great oaken doors which are closed suddenly waves the staff are like holding the doors closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sire they're breaking through yeah it's like helms deep i'm just stood there going hold hold the line whilst there's waves of pheasants and then slowly they start coming in and then it's just a fury yeah. it's a flurry it's just of a sword swing isn't it steel feathering claw that's what it is <laughs> exactly pulling muskets out firing off shots it's a orchestra of violence <laughs> feathers are raining down through the air and i reckon we're going into literally upwards of 200 I'm not going to argue with that. On, to be honest, I'm thinking it's when does the sword get blunt? <laughs> <laughs> That's... I'm like, you know, these things of like lemmings pouring off a cliff. Yeah. That's just it from the rafters. Just pheasants on pheasants on pheasants. Waterfall of fowl. And I'm just there giving it some kind of like Captain Jack Sparrow-esque yeah. ballet of steel and gunpowder. So have we got a final figure, or are you just saying the hundred? <laughs> whenever a sword gets blunt, that can be your answer. Yeah, whenever a sword gets blunt is my final answer. I want to talk about what could be the most dangerous animal to ever have lived. That's a bold, that's a big opening statement. It's a huge opening statement. But basically, have you seen that meme about a black bear which ate $15 million worth of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, no. I haven't seen the video about the black man. <laughs> $15 million worth of cocaine. $15 million worth of cocaine. <laughs> in the 80s? In the 80s. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, if it was going to happen in any... <laughs> and immediately died. <laughs> well, yeah. But for the split second... Before dying, it was arguably the most dangerous predator <laughs> on planet Earth. Where was where was this? In Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> and it's called Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I, I should have seen that coming. So, it's a 175-pound black bear who ate 40 kilos of pure cocaine and immediately died. <laughs> now, I've seen that as a meme. <laughs> I don't know, you haven't. <laughs> this is honestly the first time hearing about Pablo Escobar. Yeah. I've seen it as like a, it's just a screenshot from like a local news station reporting on it. And I've always wondered. And so I looked into it and it's called Pablo Escobar. And the story around it mm. is fucking wild. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm, oh, well, I say I'm ready. I don't think I am. So there was a former lawyer mm. turned narcotics officer turned drug kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyer to narcotics officer to drug kingpin. He yeah. was doing his background research before he got there. Before, before he got in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Called Andrew Thornton in the 80s. And he was flying a drug run from Columbia to um, somewhere in the States beyond Kentucky. Yeah, I want to say Tennessee, but mm -hmm. I don't know if that works, but I'm going to say Tennessee. Okay. And he, his plan was to drop the cocaine, like, out the plane into the forest and then whatever, go back and pick up the cocaine. So he drops 40 kilos of coke into Chattanooga Forest. Okay. He then became tangled in his parachute and fell to his death. No <laughs> way! Yeah. <laughs> and he landed in someone's garden. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, God. And the police... Knew he was a drug runner because yeah. he'd previously had some convictions and somehow gotten out of it and blah, blah. Uh -huh. And so they found his plane, him, and traced the route back and were expecting to find millions of dollars worth of cocaine, which he'd dropped out of the plane. But what they actually found was 40 torn open <laughs> containers and a dead bear. <laughs> which then which then became obviously of key interest to law enforcement <laughs> and it was taken back to be autopsied by the medical examiner and the examiner said there isn't a mammal on the planet that could have survived. <laughs> I just imagine, as soon as you make the first cut, it's just like a puff. It's literally... It's, it's like a bakery as soon as you can... It's just like flour yeah, everywhere. Yeah. The examiner said it had a brain hemorrhage, a heart attack, a pulmonary embolism, a stroke. It's <laughs> right. Flat out eight. $15 million of coke had every medical thing known to man at once and immediately died. So the bear then got taxidermied because the medical examiner, after doing everything, was like, I mean, we need to keep this bear. Yeah, as a lesson for history. So people knew the bear was taxidermied, mm. but then it kind of got lost you know, being passed from owner to owner uh -huh. in history as a bit of Americana. And so I found uh, an account by the guys who own the bear now, and they've put it in a museum called, like, the Kentucky Bluegrass something. I've forgotten right, the name, okay. but anyway. So it's still in Kentucky. It's still in Kentucky, yeah, because they wanted it was like a piece of thing, and they somehow knew about it, or they found the original news report and were like, there's no way this is true, and they got back in touch with uh, the examiner, and he's like, no, that's definitely true. And that's where the quote, there isn't a mammal on the planet that could have survived, came from. So, so these people read about the story, got really hooked on the story, then tracked down the actual taxidermy bear and purchased it. Yeah, 
basically. And it's really, I mean, it's wild. It goes from like pawn shop owner to pawn shop owner. It's traveling the country. It's ended up in Vegas. At one point, it was owned by country music legend Waylon Jennings. (laughs) (laughs) And it had been stolen and it just... A really wild adventure, but it ended up in a Chinese medicine shop. Oh, yeah, of course. Which is, on the one hand, quite sad because the guy had it there because he was possibly dealing in, you know, bear bile and all of the terrible things that they do with bears. But anyway, so it it ended up in auction in Vegas and it was purchased by this guy, Chinese medicine shop owner, and the people who were tracking it down was like, we think this is the bear. Is it the bear? It's in like, you know, black bear auction number 206 kind of thing. And they're speaking to the wife. Because uh, the guy passed away, they tracked it down. She's like, oh, yeah, I never really liked it. It always scared me. Do you want it? And this is the bit where they knew they had the right bear. It's got these weird scars on its stomach, like it's been <laughs> cut open. And they were like, fucking bingo. That's our bear. That's Pablo. <laughs> That's Pablo Escobar. And managed to get a hold of it and bring it back. Can you imagine if any part of that bear ever got into Chinese medicine? It's probably so, it's probably so, <laughs> its skin, despite being taxidermied for God knows how many years, it's probably so intoxicated with cocaine that it's probably the only Chinese medicine that would have an effect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so completely wired with coke that it might do something to you. On other animals taking drugs. And I don't know if you remember ages ago, well not ages ago, in the, in season one mm. of How Many Geese, um, you were telling me about the shrew which can't get drunk. Yes, the pen-tailed tree shrew, was it? Yeah, it doesn't get drunk because it's immune to alcohol intoxication. Yeah, which came in at like number one on this list I found of animals taking drugs. Oh, I was like, no. ha, dust our shoulders, yeah. well done us. Yeah. Tick. Next on the list was there are wallabies in Australia which are pests for farmers, and the farmers are farming opium for medical morphine. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. And the wallabies come in, eat all the poppies, get high as fuck, (laughs) (laughs) and apparently just hop around in circles. (laughs) Sure they do. Top of the leaderboard, I think, is Pablo Escobar. Pablo Escobar is, you know. These wallabies, actually, I realise I've done this in a weird order, because I'm going to put them in third place. Right. The silver medal, and I couldn't find much about this, but I'm sure this is all this is all I've got on this, right? Okay. <clears throat> in 1962, the director of a zoo in Oklahoma fired a syringe with 300 milligrams of LSD into an elephant, which is 3,000 times the amount a human might take. The elephant immediately went mental and died. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that exists on that. And there's no, there's no record of why they fired the LSD. It just seems to be, it, it, you know, it was in America, was it? Yeah, Oklahoma, yeah. which again is the same neck of the woods as <laughs> Kentucky and all the rest. Three thousand times the amount a human might take. So I did a bit of looking into. Uh, an elephant, on average, weighs ninety times a human. You're right. So if you were going to scale oh, the dose, it would it, be 90 times. It would be 90 times the dose. <laughs> this guy shot it up with 3,000 times. That must the, have been a mistake, surely. Absolutely heroic dose of LSD. I mean, this elephant must have just seen through time. <laughs> it didn't so much die as just go to a different dimension. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got the wallabies eating opium. Mm-hmm. And then researchers looking into the effects of alcohol opened a fly pub. <laughs> right. Got a load of fruit flies drunk. And then the fruit flies went gay. 
Oh. Which again is in the... It's, it's, it's a direct quote. And they actually think what had happened was apparently it's to do with lowering uh, lowering inhibitions, the effect of alcohol and all the rest. But the researchers noted statistically that so, when these fruit flies got drunk, the male fruit flies started courting other male fruit flies. That sounds to me, if it's lowering the inhibitions, that fruit flies are all secretly <laughs> a little bit gay. And they just need an excuse. They're, maybe their society's not quite caught up to it yet. But once they've had a little bit of alcohol, those inhibitions are down and they can be the fruit flies they really want to yeah. be. Very closeted society, yeah. fruit fly. Um, there was a moose in one of the Scandinavian countries that got so drunk on, I think it was fallen apples, that it got stuck in an apple tree and was just, there's the fork of the apple tree, a moose being as big as they are, absolutely massive. It had somehow got its legs up onto the apple tree and was stuck. And then the fire brigade had to come and cut it out. Very embarrassingly, take this moose away. Carry him home to his wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's there on the on the <laughs> moose porch. When I was at uni, there was someone I was uh, I knew who was big into horse riding. Mm. And I remember them telling me that they'd always wanted to get a horse drunk and go on the horse because apparently in Britain, it's legal to be drunk in charge of a horse. But it's not legal to be sober in charge of a drunk horse. Uh, <laughs> your move, government. <laughs> I think you'll find, officer, it's not illegal for me to be in charge of this steaming horse. <laughs> Stumbling all over the place, trying to get the horse to walk in a straight line or, you know, say uh, the alphabet backwards or whatever <laughs> they do to you. And then lastly, you might have seen as well, have you seen that video for um, the effects of different drugs on spiders and the webs they make? No. Have you not? No. Oh, this is amazing. So this is Game the, Wizard. I missed the part of the internet where spiders on drugs making webs and Pablo Escobar lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, again, it was a, a study done where they gave, and it seemed for some reason NASA was involved with this, but I can't imagine why now that I'm actually piecing it together. But anyway, and depending on the drug, so... If they got given harder drugs, yeah. the webs became more abstract. Ah. And like That's spiders cool. on LSD made these really bizarre webs. That's cool. Spiders on methamphetamines just like absolutely hammered out the way. <laughs> yeah. Three. <laughs> I also love um, when I was at university and you're looking at research articles to quote for papers and all that sort of stuff. You get the further you go back the less ethical they often get. <laughs> and you just get back to a stage in the 50s or whatever where it's like, we just put a few goldfish in a bowl and diluted it with enough alcohol to see what they do. Or, yeah, we just gave a chimp LSD and just watched what happened. Yeah. Yeah. They're the glory days of science we need to get back to. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of How Many Geese. We hope you enjoyed it. We're having an absolutely great time making it, and we really appreciate everyone listening, uh, the people that have written in with animals for us to fire and questions. Um, please do keep listening, keep engaging, keep sharing, uh, and keep doing all the stuff you know that helps us podcasts out. We really appreciate it. It's 100% true, the kind of stuff you hear, that word of mouth is so useful. So do let anyone know you think might be interested. Um, and as Jack said, we really appreciated it. So give us both a follow. I'm at Slideshow Rod on Instagram. And I'm at Jab Adams, J A Badams. And we hope you tune in next week. Thank you. Bye.